0: Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars. Guys, we love you guys. So grateful for you. It's great to be here today. Thanks for joining us. Pull out your notes if you would today. I'm excited about today's message because I think all of us could use what we're covering today because the truth is is that our mouths get us in trouble, but our mouths can also get us out of trouble. Wouldn't that be great? And so what you say makes such an impact on who you become. And today I want to talk about the power of a positive confession. And so pull out your notes if you would. I'm going to give some things to write down today. Let's say our mission statement together. First of all, what are we here to do as a church? We're to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Now when I say the word confession, people think of kind of different things of what that may mean, especially in the light of church. So as we talk about it, I think I may be showing you some scripture that may change your mind on what actually that is supposed to look like. I heard about this old guy. Uh, he's, he's in the 80s, and, and uh, he went by a Catholic church, slipped in, and he went straight to the confessional, confessional booth and walked in, sat down, and then there's a priest on the other side of the screen, and the priest said, you know, uh, how may I help you? And he goes, well, I'm here to tell you what's going on. And the priest is like, okay, go ahead. And he said, well, you know, I'm over 80. And he's like, okay. And he goes, well, you know, my wife died five years ago. And I met this young 30-year-old girl. And we just fell in love. She's my girlfriend now. And we make love two or three times a day. And he was like, whoa, that, wow. Okay. Well, um, when's the last time you came to confession? He goes, oh, I've never been to confession before. He's like, "Well, well, then what do you mean? He goes, why are you here? He goes, well, I'm not even Catholic. He goes, then why are you here? I thought, you, why are you telling me this? He goes, I'm telling everyone. <laughs> so that's not really the confession we're talking about. So today, as we talk about confession, what we mean is that confession actually sets you free from sin, from struggles, from difficulties. And so there really is power in confession, but we kind of think confession is a religious thing that you, you know, once you tell a priest or a minister that somehow you're absolved of your sin, and that's not what the Bible actually says at all. In fact, it's very different than that. And so I want to kind of push you a little bit, maybe if you were raised in a different kind of tradition uh, than what we're going to talk about, to really ask the question, what does the Bible have to say about confession, and how does it actually work? So I want to show you some things about this today. If you got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalms chapter. 32. uh, In verse 5, look at this verse. It says this, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Well, wouldn't that be nice to have all your guilt gone? Wow. That's the way God wants us to live. He wants us to live guilt free. This doesn't mean that we get a pass to do whatever we want. That's not what it means at all. It means that oftentimes things from our past have haunted us for years. So we just keep thinking back, I can't believe I did that. And I just don't want anyone to know about it. I'm so embarrassed. I feel so much shame. And the truth is God doesn't want you to live under a cloud of shame. And the key to this, the key from getting out from under that cloud is actually confessing your sin to the Lord. Look at the scripture on this. It says in 1 John 1, 8 through 10, it says, If we can claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So before we even say the next verse... God says, first of all, let's not pretend like any of us here don't need to hear this. Let's not even kid ourselves into believing that we all don't have guilt and sin from things we've done. He's basically saying, you're, you, basically, if you say, oh, I'm, I, I don't have any sin, I need to confess to God, that God's like, well, then you have the sin of lying, because we all do. I mean, there's no, not one of us are perfect. All of us have sin in our lives. It goes on to say this, but if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all Wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. But notice God says, if you'll just confess your sin, I will totally wipe you clean. I will totally give you a fresh start, brand new from the inside out. God wants to free you from your sin. Please write this down. Number one is this. Confess your sin to God for forgiveness. Confess your sin to God for forgiveness. He wants to completely forgive you. Now, for those of you who say, well, I ask God to forgive me, but I feel so bad. And then I confess again, and God, I just feel so bad again. Let me explain something about forgiveness. See, Jesus, when he died on the cross for you, the cross was complete. In fact, he actually said at one point when he was on the cross, when he died, right before he, he literally gave up his spirit, right before he died, he said, he cried out and he said, it is what? Finished. finished. He said, it's finished. The word finished, we think, in our terms, in our English language means it's done like, like it just finished up, just completed. That's the way we read it. But that's because we have three tenses in the English language. We have a past tense, a present tense and a future tense. In the Greek language, there's four tenses. They have a tense we don't have. The tense that they have that we, that we don't have is called the aorist tense, say aorist. aorist. Aorist tense means this. When he said it's finished, it was actually in the aorist tense. And the aorist t- tense means it had a finite beginning but the results never end. So when Jesus died on the cross, that was the moment He forgave you, but that forgiveness goes on and on and on and on. There's nothing you can do today or tomorrow or the next day that Jesus has not already at the cross forgiven you for in full it is complete and that continues on forever you can be a new person today god wants to truly forgive you fully to where you no longer have that guilt and that shame today you can be a totally new person in christ (laughs) completely forgiven isn't that great it all begins by just saying jesus i'm so sorry i have offended you please forgive me for my sin and really when we say that we're just accepting what he's already done because his answer is always the same. He doesn't say, no, no, don't know about you. I don't, know, I don't know if I can do that. He doesn't say that. He's already forgiven. He's just waiting for you to accept the forgiveness that he gives you. It is done. It is finished. The cross is complete. For you to carry around guilt still, you might as well just look up at God and say, the cross wasn't enough. For you to carry around guilt still for what you've done. You're saying, that wasn't enough. You need to go die for me again. That's making a mockery of the cross to carry guilt around. You are truly and completely forgiven. Let it go. God has. It's time for you to as well. It's gone. It's removed. Now, there may be some effects of your sin in your life still from choices we've made. Sure, we all have that. But you are completely forgiven and made new in Christ. So confess your sin for God to completely forgive you. And He really does completely forgive you. Now, here's the problem. If you're like me, and I bet most of you are, I'll confess my sin and then do it again. Everybody know what I'm talking about. Oh, God, forgive me. I was really going to stick to my diet and take care of my health and eat better. But God did not sell those donuts. And <laughs> they were calling my name. Lord, I was going to do so good. Right? Right? Oh, God, I'm not going to look at anything like that on cable anymore. And then the next night. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I looked again. And <laughs> Oh, God, I'm not going to talk bad to my, my, my friend. I'm not going to gossip anymore. But, but then I, I found myself telling the story I shouldn't have been telling. And like, Right? We, don't we go back to the same stuff? Are you like me? Is anyone else I'm talking about? I don't know what your sin is or choice. I just used a couple examples there, but I bet you have something, right, that you typically fall into that you go, oh, I keep going. Why do I, Paul said it this way. Why do I keep doing what I don't want to do? He could relate to us, couldn't he? And why do I keep doing the same dumb stuff? I mean, I say, God, God, please forgive me for being so angry at this person, but then I think about him again, and I get mad. And I get resentful and I pop off and I start talking bad. And Lord, forgive me. Oh, God, I did it again. I'm so sorry. God, please forgive And we keep this cycle going. Oh, God, I drank too much again. God, please forgive me. I, I don't want to be that guy. And then the next night, God, I drank too much again. God, please forgive me. Lord, please forgive me. I, I promise, God, this is the last time I'm going to call my dealer. Lord, I promise. Until the next time. God, forgive me. I did it again. God, forgive me. Oh, well, we're in church. People don't do drugs in church. Uh-huh, right. So, <laughs> God, please forgive me. I keep going back to the same thing. Can I tell you something? Confession is the key to your, to your escaping that problem, that sin, but it's not the confession you think. See, we confess to God for forgiveness, but there's another confession that will set you free. Let me show you the scripture on this. It says this. It says in, in Proverbs 28, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So how do we confess? To where we receive mercy and forgiveness, right? We get the forgiveness. So why do we keep going back to the same thing again and again? Why is it we're like on this broken cycle? We keep going back again and again. How do you stop that? James 5, 16 gives us great insight. Confess your sins to each other. What? Confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So you confess to God for forgiveness, but you confess to each other for healing. Did you catch that? So if you're taking notes, number one, you confess to God for forgiveness, but you confess to each other for healing. You know why? Because if I have a drinking problem and I confess to God again, oh God, I'm so sorry. No one knows it but me and God, right? And so then I Drinking too much the next night, the next night, the next week, or you know, I go maybe a couple weeks and I try to white knuckle and I'm gonna be strong and all of a sudden bam, you know, I go out of town and no one's there to stop me and oh it happened. God, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. You're on the cycle. But you know what stops the cycle? Sharing it with someone that you love. Going to someone you care for and and saying, Hey, I need to talk to you. What's going on? I don't know where I'm at, but I I I'm having a problem with drinking. I, I don't know if I'm an alcoholic, but I I I keep drinking and I, and I overdrink, and it's a problem. And that, that friend, that family member, that church member that you know real well, they can say, okay, where does it happen? Well, you know, I have to go every two weeks out of town for my job, and no one's there. And Okay, when you get to the hotel, call me that night. You see, the truth is what you need is you need someone to help support you. See, if no one knows, you, don't sin, you know how sin stays alive in your life, you know, the habit continues? Because you keep it a secret. But if you'll actually confess it to someone, I didn't say confess it on Facebook. (laughs) Confess it to two or three people or maybe one person that you can really trust and they can help you. They can get you the help that you need. If you'll do that, you can break the cycle. But we all need someone in our lives that knows everything about us, that can encourage us. You say, I can't confess this because if I do that, they won't forgive me. They'll think I'm a horrible person. You may be surprised. See, your lack of ability to confess to someone else, your, your fear of confessing to someone that you love, what you're really saying is, God, I don't think you're big enough. I don't think you're big enough. This. this is too big of a problem. If I confess this to my wife, if I confess this to my husband, if I confess this to my best friend, if I confess this, they won't love me, they'll walk out of me, it'll be over. You don't know that. You're limiting what God can do. And you're staying in the cycle because you're scared to share it. What do you think? What do you think? They don't have anything they need to confess? You don't think we all have issues? We all have issues, every one of us. The problem with church is that we come in our church clothes trying to look all spiritual rather than being more honest with each other and saying, man, I struggle just like you struggle. We all struggle. We have to confess our sins one to another. All of us are sinners. We should just make this like a big 12-step program. Hi, my name's Bill, and I'm a sinner. Hi, Bill, right? (laughs) Because which one of us is, is without sin? All of us have an area that we struggle in. You're a sinner and I'm a sinner. And turn to the person next to you and let them know right now. Gently let them know you're actually a sinner. Just let them know. They may be shocked like, me? All of us. There are no exceptions to this rule. And so the way that we get healing is by confessing one to another. We all need that. We pray for each other. We can lift each other up. But listen, don't just pray. Get some help. I have a good friend of mine. Three years ago, he called me in his office. I need to tell you something. Pastor Bill's like, what's up? He goes, um, it's kind of hard to say, but I, I drink a lot, and I, I don't know really how to stop that. I was like, okay, why don't you get some help? He's like, well, I just want to kind of start off by just telling you, because you're my pastor, and I just feel like maybe if I just tell you, that, that may maybe curve, curve my appetite, and just, you know, I, I just, if I drink, I'll, I'll tell you. You know, the other day I was in his office, and he said, hey, I was like, hey, what's going on? We're catching up. He said, it's been three years since I drank. I said, congratulations, man, that's incredible. It's amazing. Some of you hear that and you go, that sounds too easy. I mean, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't have, it wasn't that fast. I didn't go tell one person I was good. I mean, I, I, I'm way into this and it's a huge problem. And, and, you know, I've told five people and I'm still doing it. It may be that by the time you told someone, it had become such an addiction, right? Because by the time you finally confess it, you let something get a hold of you and your habits so much that it's going to take 12 step or rehab, but you can still break it. You just have to be able to share with someone and say, I really need help. And by the way, whenever you do share with someone really close to you that you love the problem that you have and you go, listen, don't tell them that I have this problem. They're going to be like, yeah, we know. Because if they're close to you, they already know. I hate to break it to you. People already know your stuff. Those of you who are close to you, you're not going to surprise them. Hey, kids, I want you to know I have a temper problem. They're like, yeah, we know you have a temper problem. We see the broken glasses. We know. <laughs> it's not a shock to them. You know, hey, I just feel like I should tell you, honey, I'm kind of bad with money. They're like, yeah, I see the credit card statements. I know. The truth is, is that we think we're holding a secret, but we're really not. People are in on you. Sorry to break it to you. But the Bible says your sin does find you out. So here's what I want to suggest to you. This may be really shocking to you. I want to suggest before you get busted that you bust yourself. That you actually be the one in control to go in and say, I have a problem. I need some help. And talk with someone. Who do I go to? You're in the right place already. Go to a friend. Go to someone here at the church. Go, go to someone, find someone that you love and trust right here because that's part of being a church. If you're supposed to be here for one for one another to help each other, to encourage one another. That's what part of being a church is about. It's not just to come hear the preacher talking, and go home. No, 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 no. You're supposed to be involved, plugged in, connected with one another. So when you have a problem, it's not your problem. It's all our problem. And we're all going to help one another out. That's what it's supposed to be. And so we have to learn to confess our sins one to another so that we can encourage one another, But please do not limit your view of God because you're scared to tell someone about it. I know of a true story of a guy that that uh, for years he had been, actually not for years, excuse me, for months, he had been stealing cable. He had basically spliced a cable line from outside of his neighbor's home and then ran it to his home. And he was watching stolen cable for years. And so he'd been doing this for a long time. And finally, God really convicted him and he knew that he had to get this right. He was like, oh, man, the problem is, Lord, I already asked you to forgive me, but... He was like, yeah, you, you did, but but that's not the only person you are you wronged. You wronged the cable company. So You don't need you to ask forgiveness from God, but you need to go to the cable. And he's like, are you kidding me? But he just was so convicted. He's like, oh, I just felt so horrible. And he was like, I just got to do it. So he finally got the courage to walk into the local cable company, go up to the front desk and say, hi, my name is so-and-so. And they're like, oh, hi, are you a customer? He says, well, <laughs> no, um, I should be. And I don't know what you're going to do with this, but I just... This is going to sound really weird. The guy just told him. "said I know it's going to sound really weird. And there were several people that were sitting there. And he said, but um, look, I don't know how else to say this. I'm just going to tell you. Kind of just, it's, just, it's okay. Just tell us what's going on. Well, I'm a Christian. I, I believe in God. And I've been stealing cable for like six to eight months now. And I just wanted to come kind of tell you I was wrong. I've already cut the cable, but I, I know I owe you guys some money. I just feel like I should tell you that. Because he was thinking, that's going to hurt the cause of Christ. I'm confessing as a Christian that I've been stealing, right? Guess what happened at that moment? Two of the people that were sitting there talking, one of them turned to the other and said, see, I told you. I told you God's real. Look at that. This guy's even willing to confess his sin over it. (laughs) He never dawned on him to become a witness because God was so real that the conviction was real that he needed to change. Don't limit God. You'd be amazed at what God can do. God can turn other people's hearts even towards the Lord through the confession of your sin. And so if our faith is real, then we've got to understand when God puts something on our heart, like right now, maybe you're going, oh, I hate this sermon. Because <laughs> there's something God is speaking to you about to tell someone else. You've got to confess that. And so it's important that we're willing to to bring it to someone else and to get it right. As long as it's in our power to get it right, we can't control the results. We can only control our obedience. I want to encourage you to be obedient. There was a guy who was a boat builder. Uh, he worked for a ship company that built custom boats and uh, and he decided one day that because he was good at what he did, that he'd he'd build himself a boat at home. Well, that was not, not a problem. He was really good at it. But the only part that was real expensive on these boats were the nails because it had to be the kind of nails that didn't rust from water. And so the very specific nail, very expensive. Well, he just slowly began to take a few home at a time and build his boat with stolen nails. God convicted him so much. He was like, oh, Lord, I know. I can't believe it. Here I am, this Christian. I talk a big game about God to my boss who's not even a believer. And really, I'm, Lord, I'm just I'm a common thief. I'm stealing from my boss. I'm stealing from this company. He was so convicted. He went to his pastor, and he was like, what should I do? And the guy's like, well, you need to pray and confess. I did that already. And he's like, well, then you need to go to your owner? And he's like, are you kidding? I mean, I'm trying to witness this guy here. I'm stealing from him. So finally, he was so convicted, he went to him, and he said, look, I know that when I talk about my faith, and I feel like a complete idiot and a total hypocrite, but I need to confess to you that I've been stealing nails. I've been building my own both at home. All the other parts are mine, but I've been stealing nails. So I owe you for how many nails, and just if you want to charge me, if you want to fire me, whatever you want to do, I'm at your mercy. I'm just sorry. I just felt like, to get it right? His boss looked at him in total shock, and he said, wow. He said, first of all, people steal from me all the time as the owner. He goes, well, you just really showed me that your religion is real. The fact that you're willing to not be a common thief like so many people who work here. Thank you. He was like, well, I owe you. He goes, nothing. It's fine. Just don't do it anymore. He was like, do I need to pack up my stuff? He goes, no, no, I want you working for me. Anyone who's out honest, I want them working for me. Don't limit God. Don't limit what God could do if you just be honest. Man, if you'd be honest with your wife about your lust and struggle, this may shock you. She'll help you. Now, she's going to be a little mad. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But guess what? This may surprise you, but she's not surprised that she's not the only woman in the world she's aware. So if you just confess that and talk about it with her, she can help you be pure. Honor God with your eyes and your relationships and your conversations with others. Ladies, if you'll go to your husband with what upsets you, with the resentment that you have, and confess that to them, they can help you with it. See, we're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to be here for one another, but how can you be there to help someone you love if you don't know what's going on? I think one of, the biggest, one of the biggest problems in the church today is lying. Just general deceitfulness because we all want to pretend like we're so holy and perfect and we're not. None of us are. No examples of that here. It's hard for me to talk about this. Why? Because I'm a hypocrite too. The only good news for me is at least I know my stuff and my best friend knows it, and my wife and those I've gone to. and I, I'm not godly because I'm so godly. I'm godly because i got accountability all around me. Don't think for a second that someone's walking with God perfectly because they're just so holy. No, it's because they're so humble and accountable. Don't confuse this. Because I don't care who you are, power can trip you up, greed can trip you up, resentment can trip you up, anger can trip you up, selfishness, laziness, gluttony, lust you name it, whatever it is for you, get help. Break the cycle. Share with someone. And you're going to find something that may really surprise you. You're going to find not only grace with God, you're going to find grace with other people. You're going to find they're going to go, okay, thank you for sharing that. Wow, that took a lot. Now let's figure this out. Let's figure out how you can overcome this. Let's figure out what we can do to turn this around. Just tell someone. Just tell someone you love, I need to tell you something. I have a serious problem with credit cards. I'm I'm constantly opening a new account, and I'm always bringing something home from the mall. It's ridiculous, I know, but I need some help. Confess that. If you'll do that, it can really change it. So if you can keep it up, the first thing you need to know is that God will totally forgive you. But number two, your healing doesn't just come from God. It comes from working with other people that love you. And you may not be anywhere near an addiction or something like that, but you still need to confess where you are. I may, it may be something as simple as, man, I just need to tell you that, you know, I'm just, I'm just depressed. I'm just down. I'm not like clinically depressed. I don't, I don't want to go take my life, but I just, I'm just, man, I, I found myself being negative and grumpy and just not full of the joy of the Lord. You just have someone that loves you say, okay, well, let's, let's talk about what are you focusing on? What are you watching all day? What are you listening to all day? Because that'll really change how you feel about yourself and about your life and your family and Just get someone to help you be accountable in those areas. There's nothing wrong. We all have different areas that we need some accountability in. So I just want to encourage you to understand that God has a better way and the healing doesn't just happen on your own, though. You need other people for that. Hey, speaking of this, you know what? In two weeks, we're starting a new series. So excited about it. Check this video out. Warning. Due to mature content, the following series has been approved for mature audiences only. Discover the truth about relationships in a series that will leave you asking for more. Don't miss a second of Rated R for Relationships. Really excited about this series. We're really going to go there. In fact, the topics we're going to be covering, we're going to, on purpose, just completely limit uh, any children below the age of 12 from even being in here. Uh, Basically, if you're not a teenager, you shouldn't be in here to hear this because I'm going to go there because here's the thing I've discovered. Our world's going there. I mean, they're saying stuff on talk shows that we would dare say face-to-face to someone. It's like, wow. I mean, you can't believe what they talk about on the radio, on TV, what they're showing on, on, on TV. The Internet's out of control. So I just figured if that's what's going on, we should be talking about it in church. So to do that, we are really going to go there. And I'm, just gonna, I'm just warning you now that it starts in two weeks. Don't be offended when we tell you at the door, oh, we don't really want your kitchen. You go, oh, it's okay. And you walk in and we're literally, literally going to stop you and say, you don't understand. That's not, they're not allowed in here. This isn't a we're recommending. This is a they are not allowed in the room. So we're going, we're taking it to the next level. So I know I'm going to offend some families. I'm okay with that because we may offend one or two, but we're going to help hundreds of families. (laughs) So we're really going to go there. We're going to talk about intimacy. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about pornography, lust, problems, struggles. We're going to talk about all that and more because relationships are getting more raw and more out of control because we're not facing the fact that the world is overrunning us with crap, to be honest. So we're going to talk about this. I'm very excited about this series. I want to challenge you to be here. But don't just be here. Bring someone with you to this series. So I'm giving you a two-week notice on this. Okay, so you got two weeks to be thinking about and praying about who you're going to bring. Bring them here. First of all, they're going to leave with you after church. They're going to go, I can't believe he said that in church. There's going to be a lot of that. In fact, when the sermon's done, I'm going to go backstage and go, I can't believe I said that in church. <laughs> but we're really going to talk about these things, and so be sure to be here for this entire series. If you're a highly re- religious person, don't come, because I'll offend you. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not even kidding right now. I'm going to say things that you would never dare in your wildest dreams think should ever be appropriately said in church, much less a kitchen table. But guess what? We're going to talk about it, because the world is. And so we're going to get you some help and we're going to help your relationships turn around immediately. So don't miss this series. It's going to be very raw. It's going to be graphic uh, on purpose because they're trying to get you some help. I can't help what I can't talk about. So we got to be able to talk about this stuff. So don't miss this series. I promise you it's going to be very powerful. It's going to be funny. I mean, there's going to be a lot of humor with it, Uh, but there's also going to be some real, real help. And so bring your friends, bring your family. Bring your boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, your, your neighbor, bring your spouse, bring, you know, wherever you are. I don't know where you are on the relational spectrum, but you're going to want to be. You may say, so I'm single, I don't even need that. No, 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 you do. So that, that, that way the next time a relationship starts, you start it right. The right way and it goes the right way. And so there is a way to do that. So be sure to, uh, to be here for the series Rated R. It's going to be very, very powerful. Last thing I want to talk about is this. We're going to kind of sum it up with this last point on your big fat mouth. So your big fat mouth is so powerful it can lead to you being forgiven and, and being being set free from shame. Your big fat mouth can also set you free from the cycle of sin by sharing with someone else, inviting them into the cycle of sin you're struggling with so they can help you break that cycle, right? But there's a third thing your big fat mouth can do as well that is really, really powerful. So your big fat mouth leads to forgiveness from Jesus. It leads to healing, and then it can lead to transformation of your life. And here's what that looks like. Would you please write this down? Speak positive confession to begin transformation. You got to begin to speak a positive transform- confession, excuse me, to begin transformation. So look at Joel chapter 3, verse 10. It says this, let the weak get strong. Oh, it doesn't say that. Let the weak feel they're strong. It doesn't say that. Let the, let the weak think I'm strong. No, let the weak say I'm strong. So the Bible actually says when you want to change something in your life, speak it like it's already done. I know that sounds crazy. You're like, what do you mean, like some kind of name it, claim it thing? Well, that name it, claim it concept has been given a bad uh, name because people are used to preachers saying, you know, I want a Ferrari, poof. You know, that kind of, that's ridiculous. No one's saying that. But to say that the Bible does not say to name what you want is not true. Your mouth is so powerful, by the way, it leads to salvation. Your mouth doesn't save you. Jesus did that on the cross, but your mouth is the ticket to you accepting the salvation that's been given to you. Look at what it says in Romans 10. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Your mouth saves you. You have to believe that it's yours. You have to believe that God's hand is on your life. Because it is. So as we begin to speak ourselves up. Look at the scripture here. Look at the ones who didn't believe it. Numbers 13, said, why we even saw the giants alongside them. We felt like grasshoppers. Those it said we saw giants. We felt like grasshoppers. We felt small, right? Hopping around in fear. Oh, we can't do it, right? So we felt like grasshoppers and they looked down on us as if we were grasshoppers. So two things, number one, don't look down on yourself and do not hang out when people look down on you. If someone runs you down with their mouth, that should be the last time you hang out with them. Just don't do that. You know, you say, "Well, Pastor, I, I mean, I'm—it's uh, a family member." What do I do? Limit your time with them? In fact, better than that, just have a conversation and say, "Listen, I really don't want to limit my time with you. Can you quit talking negative? Can you quit tell me what I can't do and start telling me what I can do? You may need to have a serious conversation with someone that you love." He said, please quit projecting your negativity on me. I believe I'm God's chosen to do great things in this world, and I can make a difference, and I'm not going to believe your lies any longer. God says, I'm all that. I can do great things. I'm not going to buy into this anymore. You have to make a decision to see yourself differently. So as I was talking with one of our pastors, he said, "Hey, you heard Pastor Zach's confessions? And you know, Pastor Zach loved him. And I said, no, I haven't. They said, well, let me ask him to, to send him. So then they sent them to me. These are pastor's acts confessions. confession. This is something he says every day. He has it memorized. I was shocked because there's a lot of them here. I was like, he memorized all that? He says, he says this to himself every single day. This is what he says. He wakes up and says, I walk in divine health. I live under an open heaven. I have no lack for any good thing. I am prosperous and God delights in my prosperity. I expect favor with God and with man. I live in abundance. I am blessed to be a blessing. I am a lender and not a borrower. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I walk in the fruit of the spirit. I hear from God. My steps are ordered by the Lord. God is my strength and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I walk by faith and not by sight. I enjoy my work and make the most of my time. I am a person of excellence and integrity. I have supernatural wisdom and discernment. I walk in revelation knowledge. I am a person who forgives easily and loves all people. The gifts of the Spirit operate in my life. I am the head and not the tail. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. I live every day in abundant joy. I am strong in the Lord. I am bold for Christ. I am a soul winner. I fulfill my calling and destiny that God has for me, and I expect God's best. I use my talents and gifts to glorify God. I am faithful and steadfast in the Lord. I have the mind of Christ. I have a teachable spirit. I am strong in character and ready for anything. I receive what I ask. For I find what I'm looking for, and the doors are open in my life. Wow. So I said, I, I, I found Pastor Zach. Pastor Zach, those are incredible. Where did you get those? And you, you told me a third grader I used to teach gave those to me. <laughs> what is God doing in that little girl's life right now? Some family knew to raise their kids in the Lord. It's powerful, isn't it? There was a pastor's wife back in the 80s. She loved God, serving alongside her husband, trying to do the right thing. She felt sick. She couldn't figure it out. She went to a doctor to see what was going on. The doctor said, I wish you would have come earlier. He said, what are you talking about, doctor? He said, we need to talk. Please bring your husband with you. Let's talk about what you have. She said, okay. So she got her husband in the room, and they were talking. And the doctor said, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but you have cancer, and it's in your liver. And I, I hate to be the one to tell you, but this is probably not curable. You probably need to get your affairs in order. She was shocked. Her kids were young. She seemed healthy. It didn't make sense. She's like, God, I'm serving you. I'm honoring you. And yet I had this cancer, and I'm, I've been told it's, it's irreversible, and it's probably going to take my life. They could do chemo, but they said it, it's like a 50-50 chance it'll even work for you, as far, as far gone as it seems. She was shocked. She went home with her husband. They talked about it. And she said, honey, I don't know what to do, but I don't believe God is done with me. And he said, we don't have to receive what that doctor said. The doctor's doing their job, and it's fine. Doctors need to tell the truth. But he said, but that's the doctor's diagnosis. That's not God's diagnosis. So we're going to believe God that he can heal you. And yes, I know as I tell the story, there are hundreds of cases and thousands of cases of people who prayed, believed, and God took them home. I understand that. But that doesn't mean we don't need to believe. And if I have cancer one day, I'm going to believe for God. Even if I die, I'll die believing. Does that make sense? She began to say, what can I do about this? And she thought of all the scriptures that God talks about giving you life, abundant life, that he wanted you to thrive. And there's so many verses on this. She began to write out verses on little three-by-five cards and put them all over her house. She went and got pictures of herself when she looked young and vibrant and and healthy and was doing active things, and she put them all over her house as well. And she began to look at those pictures of her looking healthy and young and, and, and doing well, and she began to read those scriptures, and she began to speak positive about her life over and over again. She trained her mind to always say, I have a great life. I'm going to live. God's not done with me. I can overcome this cancer. She began to say it to herself over and over and over again. The doctor said, you have this many months to live. And she lived way past that until the day she went back for one more checkup. And the doctor said, I do not know how this happened. This does not make medical sense. And all the years I've been practicing, I don't understand this. But you are clear of cancer. (laughs) God had restored her. Now... God could have done it automatically. He didn't do that. She kept speaking it. She kept doing the right thing. She was doing treatments as well, but believing at the same time. And she convinced herself of what God had already told her was true, was that she really was going to live and that she was going to overcome that. That lady then raised a young man in their church who took over the church one day. And that young man's name is Joel Osteen. I say that to tell you this. I've had the privilege of meeting and talking with Dodie Osteen. She's an incredible woman of God. In fact, it's funny because she prayed, God, give me this many more years. I want to live until I'm 80. And she said, when I got to 80, I went back to God and said, let's renegotiate. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Her spirit's amazing. But I was talking with her about that, you know, and she's just so positive and just believes the best. And I'll tell you one thing right now Joel's an incredible man of God. I consider him a friend. And I will tell you this, he is really that positive all the time. He really smiles that much all the time. And that's really who he is. I mean, the guy just like, wow, he's always positive. He cracks me up. It's a wonderful quality, but I'm gonna tell you this right now. He wasn't born positive. He was raised positive. He wasn't born with faith. He was raised in faith. Some of you might might say, I didn't have that pastor as an opportunity. I didn't have that, that privilege. It's okay. Re raise yourself. With your words. With your words. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We take a moment to pray. I want to encourage you today just to begin to speak positive things over your life. Confess your sin to God. Find someone today to confess that besetting sin, that thing you keep going back to. Trust the Lord enough that He's in control that when you go to your spouse or your best friend or a co worker or someone you trust, And you share that you're not going to find condemnation. You're going to find grace. You're going to find help. Trust God for that. And begin to speak positive words of your own life. And God can transform your life. And he does it through the power of your words. And what's really powerful is when you take his word and make it your words. That's when God does something special. Lord, thank you for your word today. God, thank you that we can be changed through your word, through your truth, through your wisdom. And so, Lord, right now, I just speak in the name of Jesus over this entire crowd, over everyone who's hearing this message. I speak truth that they are who you say they are. They are not limited. They are not locked into their past. They are new in Christ, and you have big plans for their life. You are not through with us. Thank you for that, Jesus. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, you never received Christ. You can confess Jesus with your mouth and he can become your Savior and your Lord. You can pray this prayer with me right now. We're going to pray it together. You can just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin, and I believe you rose again. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.